What's up and welcome back to the third episode of the Iowa Loud podcast with my co-host Luke Ford and myself Hayden Richards. Luke, how are you doing? Good, how are you, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Alright, so uh, before we go into everything, um, if you've been listening on Spotify or the Anchor app, we are now on Apple Podcasts, which is pretty exciting to be able to say. I've been wanting to get on Apple Podcasts because that's like the biggest podcast app yeah. out there right now so that's a biggest platform yeah that's a pretty exciting thing so um you know let's go ahead and let's talk about last night's national championship between baylor and gonzaga i can say i didn't see that one coming yeah i mean to to be honest with you i could definitely see that one coming a little bit because you know gonzaga they played a few good teams to start the year, and then they kind of went back into conference play and kind of just had that easy schedule. So they may have not been ready for uh, for March Madness, like that tough of a, an opponent. So you just never really know. But I really didn't see them see Baylor coming in there and just blowing them out, you know, which was really insane. Yeah, and I think a big part of Baylor's domination was um, they have the best guard tandem in the country with Mitchell, Teague, and uh, Butler. Yeah, most uh, definitely. <laughs> oh, my God, shut up. So I'm sitting with my dog right now. Yeah, I can tell he was <laughs> pretty angry. Yeah. All right, sorry about that. Um. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Um. Uh, I really liked Baylor. I was hoping we would definitely see a matchup with Gonzaga again, but after we got taken out by Oregon, you know, it was just I was kind of rooting to see Gonzaga and Baylor, and I had Gonzaga winning the the Natty in my bracket, but you know, just to just seeing Baylor win, I was actually kind of happy about that because everyone was kind of expecting uh Gonzaga to just win it all, and I was. Just happy to see Baylor come and pound him, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, everyone coming into this year, this is kind of the one that everyone had on a crash course um, for the national title. Everyone was thinking Baylor, Gonzaga, maybe with a chance to see Iowa, obviously, but um, this was the one everyone wanted to see. And I can say I thought it was going to be a close game. I had Gonzaga winning by about six. Just I thought their offense would be able to outrun Baylor. But, man, that guard – I mean, that guard tandem that Scott Drew has put together down there in Waco is impressive. Yeah, most definitely. It's uh, – you know, they were going to play earlier this year because Gonzaga opened up the year with some pretty good teams like Illinois – Iowa, they were supposed to play Baylor, you know. I mean, Gonzaga didn't play Illinois. Baylor played Illinois. Oh, yeah, Baylor played Illinois. That's my bad. But uh, Gonzaga actually did open up against some pretty good teams. Who who else did they play? They played Virginia. That was one. Yeah. They played Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Kansas was their first game, and they thumped them. Yeah, they they played a pretty tough schedule. But, you know, you kind of have to expect that when they're going into a conference with not much, you know. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was good to see them actually play this year after you know um, 
the first cancellation between the two of those, but I didn't I definitely didn't see that game coming. Really. No. Um I guess uh, something that we said we were going to talk about, we were originally going to have a podcast yesterday, but uh, we decided against it and we just held off until today. And we were going to talk about, um, obviously, the Final Four game, uh, Suggs with the buzzer beater and everything. And that was one of the best games I think I've ever watched. Yeah, I was in Kansas City with my cousins and – I didn't get to watch the entire game, but I came back right in time to watch that buzzer beater, and and that was just crazy. You know, Suggs is just a great player. You know, he heaved it up there, and you got to really feel bad for some of the UCLA UCLA players after just playing a tough game like that, and then all of a sudden just getting beat, just getting beat like that. It's you don't you don't really see that coming. And you know, you're everyone was kind of like, all right, let's go second overtime, and then Suggs comes up. Heaves it up there, bank, and it just goes down. It was sad to see. I wanted UCLA to win that one, but because um, to be honest, I don't really care about the bracket. I'm I'm more for the upset games, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So I wanted UCLA to win it and kind of be that you know magic Final Four team to go down there and go into the Natty as a 11 seed. But you know they got beat. So. uh yeah, what were your thoughts on it, really? Um, you know, I think from going going from the first four to the final four was an incredible run by UCLA. Um, one that I didn't even see them getting out of the first four. I had Michigan State beating them, and all I can say is they're going to be a dangerous team next year. UCLA is going to return a lot. Um, their co- uh, the their coach. Uh, what can you say? I mean, he put together a great coaching job in the bubble. Um, I can 100% see them potentially being a top 10 team next year, maybe even top five. Yeah, I was looking at some ESPN experts, like their way too early rankings for college basketball in the 2022 season. And they had UCLA top five, which kind of surprised me. But after a run like that, you kind of got to give a team – like UCLA returning that many players, kind of got to give it to them. But it, I don't know if I would make them top five, especially after they started the year. They started the year decent, but they kind of got it going, and that's why you saw them make a Final Four run there. But I don't know if I'm putting them top five as of, as of yet. Still got a lot of offseason to go, but definitely can see why they put them in the way too early top five, but I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know if you know about this yet. Obviously, we both we we both know about the situation with Suggs, who really was looking hard at Iowa and was really considering them. But the UCLA point guard actually grew up an Iowa fan, and he had an Iowa offer when he was in high school, and he was originally going to come in in the 2019 class with which was uh, Patrick McCaffrey and Joe Toussaint. Um, but. He reclassified, came in in the 2018 class, which there was only one scholarship available at that time, and that was the class that Joe Wieskamp came in. So, uh, unfortunately, his offer was pulled because of those of that situation, and you kind of look back at that now, and you're just thinking, wow, um, that's a tough one to let get away. Yeah, that's definitely just a... Uh... 
you know, just a situation you don't like to see there. I mean, it would have been great to have him come, but you know, it, he definitely looks to be having a good time in UCLA, of course, with the Final Four run. So uh, we got to be happy for him. Yeah. Um. So I think we can kind of move along here. Um. The other thing that I was thinking. Uh, so Minnesota's center Liam Robbins today entered the transfer portal. Um, he averaged 12 points per game. I think he averaged like seven or eight rebounds per game and two blocks. Um, he was all Big Ten, I think, second team or third team. And he's from the Davenport area. Yeah, he actually went to Assumption High School, which is not too far from where I am right now, living in Bendorf. Yep. So, um, right after I watched him go out with that injury with Minnesota, there was definitely some speculation that he's going to enter the transfer portal. And there was a lot of talk, like I just said. And um, someone said there was a rumor that he was going to transfer and he was looking to come to Iowa. And I, I sort of didn't really believe it. I could see him transferring, but kind of going to Iowa – just I don't know about all that, but especially needing a center right now, going like Liam Robbins coming to Iowa, that would be a big time pickup, and that could definitely put us back in top twenty five contentions. Yeah, um, you know I think this is the perfect transfer for Fran to go after. Great rim protector. I mean, if you average two blocks a game, that's really impressive. Um, he's, he can stretch the floor, obviously he can shoot, he can shoot the three, he can shoot mid range. Um, and I just, I can't see anything wrong with it. I mean, he's a good center. He looks like he works hard. He's exactly what you're looking for at seven foot. I would hope Fran pulls the trigger and goes after him. Yeah, really. I mean, (laughs) I really just like Liam Robbins. He he did really well against Iowa and Luca, and I just thought looking at him, I was like, man, that would be nice to see him transfer here. So I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah. and the other one, there's another one to look out for. Um, another Iowa native, potentially that could enter the portal. Uh, Xavier Foster at Iowa State. Um, that sounds like there might be some rumblings of him entering the portal. He's a Seven foot stretch four. Um, he can guard the he can uh, defend the five. Um, he's he was actually a big target of Fran's. He's a top, I think he's a top seventy five recruit if I remember correctly. So big name, uh, a lot of upside. He's only going to be a redshirt freshman, I think. And I would say if he enters the portal and you can't get Robbins, there's your backup option because. Foster grew up an Iowa fan. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed to see him not go to Iowa. It was, you know, um, just really disappointing. I really thought he was going to go to Iowa and then watch him switching up on Iowa and going to Iowa State. That kind of made me mad. He definitely messed up there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him enter the transfer portal and, you know, change his decision. But I don't really know. I think if I was Avery Foster, I already committed to – Iowa State, I would give it some time there. Obviously, he had that one season this year, but I I would just give it some time. You know, I don't really see a reason to come to Iowa as of right now. I mean, we do need a center, but I I don't see why these kids would want to commit to a school and then all of a sudden they don't play that much. 
and then they're just going to try and go to a different school. Like, you got to commit if you're not. I think, yeah, I mean, I think the deal with Foster is more or less the coaching change. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I forgot Prome about that. Him. I mean, Prome is the one that recruited him. Uh, he liked him, obviously. I mean, Prome wasn't a very good coach, but he obviously connected really well with his players. And, I mean, I understand uh, – kids in that situation like the kid out of Illinois that just transferred about a week ago Adam Miller is his name and he was coming off the bench but he was still getting a good amount of minutes um and he was one of the better players on his team and now he just up and transferred out because he doesn't want to play for Illinois but he doesn't think he's getting enough minutes or something like that and it's just things like that that baffles me about this I mean it's like what Roy Williams has said, the transfer portal is what's going to ruin college basketball, and I honestly believe that. It's basically free agency in college basketball. Yeah, it's – I remember I had a teacher in – what was it? It was eighth grade, and she was a big basketball fan. And she – I remember her telling me she was a – she was a basketball player. It may have been – yeah, I think it was at Iowa. And she told me that – she does not like the transfer portal. She feels like if you're going to commit to a team, you should commit. Like, hard commit, and you need to just play hard for that team because you. it's almost like telling someone you're going to do something and then you just don't do it. You know, like you, you want to be a man of your word after you commit. And there's definitely some other factors. Like, you can see Jack Nunji losing his father, having a couple injuries. He wants to get closer to his family. I can definitely see that. But then you got some coaching changes, like Xavier Foster, like you just said. But some of these players are just transferring because of playing time. Like, you need to step up, and you need to start working harder because you got to beat out some other guys. I mean – you can't just transfer after you don't get enough playing time. You got to work harder than so transfer. The transfer portal definitely has the potential to ruin college basketball. I I just think if you're going to commit to a team, you should definitely stick it out unless you know that you're not going to be able to play uh, good enough for that team. And then you just go a little bit of a downgrade. Yeah. And I, and like we said, there's exceptions to it and stuff. Coaching changes, uh, family or social changes, um, stuff like that, it makes sense. And then, obviously, grad transfers are a completely different game. That's 100% okay in my mind because those are guys that have finished off, they spent time with that school, and now they want to go try and make a name for themselves at a bigger school, and that makes sense to me. Um, But, yeah, it's just the stuff when you're not receiving enough playing time, stick it out, work harder, get that time, earn your – earn your spot, and then prove yourself. Yeah, it's it's almost like you're just being a wimp about it and you're just being like you need to try and stick it out. And that and some of these players are transferring because they know that they're not going to be able to beat out someone, which I can kind of see there. But at that point, like I said, just downgrade, go to a little bit of a smaller school or a school that would really need you. But I, I feel like some of these players aren't even giving it a chance, and this, they're transferring right away because just because they don't like something or whatever. Like, you not everything's gonna be given to you. You know, you gotta work hard and you gotta 
just go after it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've kind of said what we believe there, and I think we're both kind of in the same boat with it. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's something's got to change. Yeah. And um, while we're on this topic, I did want to bring up Parker Fox released his top eight, and Iowa was not on there. So that was kind of surprising to me. Um, the One of the top centers in D2 does not want to come to Iowa. So, um, I forget. He's got some good some good offers, though. I mean, um, and when he's looking at a team like Ohio State, Florida State, Creighton, I mean, those are three pretty damn good programs. And then Minnesota, which is where he's from. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if anything happens. Yeah, I just really feel like, I mean, having a guy like Luca Garza leaving, and no, that would be an honor to be able to fill that spot, you know, but you can definitely see where you're coming from with the some of the offers he got, but I would still, I wouldn't leave Iowa out of it. No, I know, but I kind of think he's set in stone where he's going, where, and I personally think he's going to end up at Minnesota. Yeah, after uh, Liam Robbins leaving, you can definitely see him going there, especially with his connection to Minnesota. Yeah, and I remember when you guys, you texted me that picture, and I said, uh, I, I remember I said, I hope Fran goes hard after the dude from UMass or Harar from Penn State. Um, now, obviously, I've switched up, and I want him to go hard after Liam Robbins. Yeah. I mean, that's my top choice 100% now. He's the best play- – he's probably arguably the best player in the transfer portal at this point. Yeah, I'm just one friend to go after Liam Robbins hard here. I love Liam Robbins, and, you know, I feel like he can definitely do something special with the Iowa program. For sure, for sure. Um, I think what we should talk about here, actually um, – so, if you've listened to the podcast before, we've talked about we're going to get recruits, players, former players on here. And you've reached out to a couple of your guys. But um, it sounds like if you guys turn it, tune into the podcast tomorrow, uh, we're going to have a guest. I'm not going to say who it is right now, but uh, he's a recruit. I'll just say it. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, so if you're uh, if you've started if you have started to listen to the podcast, just be looking out tomorrow. We are gonna try and get one up, and we do have a recruit coming on, like Hayden just said. So just be looking out for that. Yep. Um, so now that I think we can kind of uh, move move forward here, um, one of the things that we kind of said we might want to do now is. Uh, some player predictions for the upcoming season. So basically, when we when we say that, like, how many yards and touchdowns and interceptions uh, is Petrus going to have in twenty twenty one, or how many yards is Goodson going to have, just stuff like that. Um, 
You know, I'll go ahead and go first here. I'm not a big stats guy. I mean, I always look at the stats, but when it comes to predictions, I'm not very good. But, um, you know, looking after having the season cut a little bit short, so I don't know if that was enough to be able to see at what what players are going to get what. It was kind of a messed up, messed up year. But I can definitely see Petrus improving. So I'm not really going to give you a specific stat line, but I – I definitely see Petrus improving more than last year, having a little bit less interceptions. He'll, I feel like he'll get it going. Um, but in my opinion, I don't really feel like Petrus has improved. Like, he'll improve enough, but I don't really know how good he's going to be this year. I still feel like he needs a little bit more time, but it's a little early to be saying that. I'll admit it because you got spring ball coming up. So he'll definitely have a lot of, a lot of practice to go on. So I see him improving a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of go off a stat line. I kind of do pay attention to stats. Um, and I, my prediction, what I kind of came up with was 2,100 yards, um, 18 touchdowns, um, and seven interceptions with a completion percentage of 60%. Yeah, I can really see that. Uh you know, his completion percentage, was, was, I don't think it was that good this year. He, he threw a lot of over some guys, a little under, like Nate Stanley, you know. But he did have a few games where he did look pretty good. So if he can keep that consistency going and keep the interceptions low. Um, definitely a, still a young guy. Um, so I can definitely see a lot of interceptions still. He's just got to make better reads, and you got to hope that he doesn't throw that many. Yeah, and like I can, I can live with seven picks if he throws for eighteen touchdowns, and if he's completing sixty percent of his passes, that I think that's a recipe for success for what we want to run offensively, because everyone knows Iowa's your grit and grind, pounded, pounded inside, and just wear you down, time possession. It's that's how our offense wants to play, and I think if he can do, if he can get on, if he can have a similar stat line to what I said, um, I think that's a recipe for a pretty solid season. Yeah, it really it's building around Petrus right now because you know T. Good Tyler Goodson's going to have a pretty good year for usual after his first two years. I mean, freshman, sophomore year, he did really really good. So. You know, having another full season under him here, I feel like he'll have a big year. Um, here, this is one where I could probably give you a stat line. Uh, I feel like he'll have over a thousand yards, most definitely. That's right. I think he's going to be a thousand yards. Yeah, player. I. Um, personally, I don't know about two thousand because that's really, really tough to get. That's, that's a, a little shooting it over there. But um, yeah, I think that had the all-time single-season record because I think. The all-time single-season record I was like eighteen hundred fifty or something like that. Yeah. Um. How many touchdowns did Tyler Goodson have this year? I gotta double check. Um. Let me double check here. Tyler Goodson stats. I'm gonna go to ESPN stats. Um. So his 2020 stat line, he had. He had 143 rushes for 762 yards. He averaged five yards a carry, and he had seven touchdowns. All right, yeah, I 
I can really see him going because I remember I was watching a lot of his highlights and he could have had way more touchdowns. But, you know, you have a guy like Makai Sargent who can pound it in at the goal line. So there was a couple of mm-hmm. times where Tyler Goodson would kind of get it going down the field and they'd take him out and put Makai in there. So there's a there's about there's some five to six times where, you know, I could see some more touchdowns going in there for Tyler Goodson. But uh, I'll say he's going to have over 10 touchdowns this year with 1,200 yards. That's kind of what I have. I said uh, 1,200 yards and I think like 10 touchdowns. So we have a pretty similar stat line when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, obvi- he's going to have to be the feature back this year. Like, obviously, he was last year, but he's going to be the one getting the yards this year. He's going to be the one um, doing all the – yeah, he's going to be like 20, 20, 25 carries a game is what I feel like he's going to have to be. And he's going to – I mean, when – when you return a first team all conference back and like him, and we don't know a whole lot about this offense, you know, you're going to have to lean on him. And it's just, I don't know. Um, he's just, he's going to be the main focal point of our offense this year. That's what he's going to have to be. Yeah. I, I really trust Tyler Goodson coming in as the first back and watching him the past couple of years. He just seems like a great back at Iowa. And I feel like the offense should definitely revolve around him. And then you got some versatile guys like Tyrone Tracy, really fast. So um, I want to see more from Tyrone Tracy, too, this year. You know, you're you're losing guys like Amir, and then you're losing guys like B. Smith. So definitely some room for Tyrone Tracy to kind of get his season, you know. So I want to see more from Tyrone Tracy. Yeah. Um, I like Tyrone a lot. I mean, I don't think he was utilized very well last year. Um, and I've seen people say, oh, he sucks. He's not that good a receiver. Why do you like him? Um, and when you go back and look at his freshman year, I mean, you just got to look at that. He's behind some great players. It's hard for a guy to get ahead of like a dude like Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith. And I think this this year with him being probably the number one at the wide receiver spot, I mean, we're going to – he's going to have to be the guy. I mean, he's going to have to be the go-to guy this year. Yeah, so his 2019 year, his freshman year, he had 589 yards. And then in 2020, this season, he had 154. So even – you can definitely see some potential coming from his freshman year, having almost 600 yards, and then a little bit of a downgrade going into – his sophomore year with 154, but you still have to remember um, he was behind a guy, Amir, his senior season, Brandon Smith, his senior, wait, yeah, his senior season too, if I remember that correctly. I, so definitely some big guys, but I, like you said, I don't feel like he was used to the right potential. I definitely could have seen the ball going to him a lot more, but when you have an inexperienced guy like Spencer Petrus, you know, you're going to see some wide receivers getting a little affected by that. So once Petrus kind of gets it going, I still feel like Tyrone Tracy will have a big year. Yep. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I just, it's obviously 
I'm hoping Petrus continues to improve. And I think the big thing with Petrus was he was so amped up this year. Like, when he was thrown across the middle where he just had to make a decent pass, he didn't have to fastball it in there. Like, he would go back and he would just fireball it and throw it like 100 miles per hour at his dudes when there's really no need to do that. Just stay calm, stay poised, and get it so they can catch it on the run and go. I think that's just going to be – if that's what he works on this offseason and he stays focused on that, um, that's going to help a guy like Tracy who really does a lot of his work on boxes and cross routes and slants and stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm going to throw it back to this year's football season. Since we just recently started this podcast, one of the things I told people was, you know, Petrus, you know, he struggled at first. It's his first season coming as coming in as a starter, and a lot of people are hating on him and saying, "Oh, blah blah blah, he sucks." Well, you got to look back to Nate Stanley. He didn't do too good, you know. He overthrew some guys. I mean, coming in, he was, you know, you didn't coming after CJ. You didn't really see much, you know. You everyone thought he was going to be really bad, but come come to turn out, you know, he was a pretty dang good quarterback. So if you give Spencer Peters some time. I feel like you're going to see a pretty good Iowa quarterback, you know. Yeah. Um, You know, even – and there's always that thought that um, if he regresses this year and does not do well, could we potentially see a swap at quarterback? Uh, Yeah, most definitely. Uh, One guy I really like – shoot – um. Deuce Hogan. Yeah, Deuce Hogan. I love him. I I just feel like, what is he, a four-star? He was a four-star out of high school. He had offers from, like, Georgia and some other good schools. Um, I remember Georgia tried landing a helicopter at his high school field to flip him from Iowa to Georgia, but he stayed committed to Iowa. <laughs> um, I still think that's one of the craziest stunts Kirby Smart's pulled yet. Um but I think he's he's a smart kid. He's tough. Um, he has poise and moxie. Um, I really I really like what he could potentially bring to the table. I don't think he's he's not a super accurate guy. He's not gonna be like a seventy five percent passer. But I mean, if you can be sixty percent and throw for as many touchdowns and just be the leader, that's all you need from him because it doesn't feel like. I think Petrus needs to take that step forward as a leader. He did not feel like – I did not feel like he was the leader in the huddle last year offensively. I felt like there were a lot of different guys that were taking charge in the huddle and it didn't feel like it was him. Yeah, I'm trying to go back up to the roster you sent me because I didn't see Deuce Hogan on there, if I remember right. Um, I think Padilla yeah, was the backup. Padilla was the backup. But, I mean, I feel like that – backup position is pretty close if you're asking me so oh i'm sure it so, is. so i mean deuce still coming in pretty inexperienced uh can definitely see that one going either way but if if petrus struggles this year and he can't get it going you know you what are you doing you got to look to the backups and you just got to start using padilla or hogan so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that plays out if Petrus is to have another little bit of a down season. But last year, I just feel like, you know, inexperienced, first year as a starter, you know, had the jitters. So towards the end of the year, he definitely got it going, though. So if he can keep that momentum moving 
and have a good year. Uh, I don't see Hogan or Padilla coming in much this year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um. Oh. So I guess actually, now that we've kind of thrown in some predictions, I want to go back to recruiting here, football recruiting. Um. If you want to, you can pull up the recruiting on twenty four seven. All right. So, um, as people know, um, I really follow Iowa football recruiting. I follow it really closely. Um, it's one of it's something I really enjoy looking at. Uh, recruiting is something I'm really passionate about. I love to re- I love to read about it. I love uh, hearing about all the develop developments and stuff like that. And over the past couple weeks, there have been some impressive developments. Um, and a lot of them are good for Iowa. Um, are you there on the twenty four seven site yet? Yes. Um. So I'm. So some of these guys that they've thrown some offers out that are undecided. Um. One is Carson Hensman. Uh, he's out of Saint Croix, Wisconsin, and recently Iowa and Notre Dame got updated to warm on twenty four seven. And if people don't know what that means, um, that essentially means that. They have jumped up on his list. They're they're really high on him. Um, Obviously, his top three schools right now are Iowa, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin. And uh, the guy that's recruiting him is the new offensive line coach for Iowa, George Barnett. And Hinsman's a he's a four star. He's top 130 in the country. Um, He's the fourth best offensive guard, and. He really likes Iowa. His family really likes Iowa. Um, I, this is one that they, if they can go as hard as I think they are on him, I wouldn't be surprised to see him potentially be a surprise pickup. He looks really impressive, and I imagine the prestige of uh, Iowa putting offensive linemen in the NFL uh, definitely can help sway him towards us. Yeah, um... Definitely, we have a lot of four stars coming in here, you know. So, this has been one of the better Iowa recruiting classes as of recently. It's the best one since 2005. 2005 had like three five-star players in it. Wait, we had three five-stars in 2005? Yep. Um, Dan Doring, Dace Richardson and Tony Moyaki were all five stars. Wow. And obviously that class didn't pan out very well because if it had, Iowa would probably be one of the best teams in the Big Ten consistently, not always kind of in the middle of the pack like we kind of have been the past couple of years. But um, with the way recruiting has really kind of trended upwards for us over the last couple of years. Uh, 2020 was a really good class. 2021 is obvious, was obviously just a great class, especially along the offensive line. And um, Yeah, I can definitely see what you're talking about. You know, you've got a lot of guys coming in. We're definitely one of the bigger linemen schools out there, you know, Midwest, Big Ten. 
when you think about that, you just got the hardcore linemen, you know, big guys holding it down over there. So, yep. Um, and then after Hinsman, there's a f- about four other guys. Um, one of them, his name is Hunter Deo. He's six three, two seventy, as an as a defensive tackle. I'm sorry, not an offensive tackle, and he's out of Council Bluffs, and he's the number three player in the state. Um, really, really impressive player. He's so tough and mean off the ball. And he just looks intimidating. Uh, if you're on the prospects tab like I am, you just take a look at him. He's got the big bushy beard and the long hair. He just looks like a mean, tough dude at the defensive tackle spot. Yeah. So, what was his name again? Hunter Deo. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. Um, and then let's see, there are two guys. Um, their names are Micah Riley and Caden Helms. They're both from Bellevue West, which is uh, in Nebraska, and they're both warm to Iowa. And something that I think could potentially help us with these two, their teammate Keegan Johnson. He was a four-star in the 2021 class. Is a wide receiver. Uh, he has recently oh, he's recently enrolled at Iowa. Um, really impressive wide receiver prospect. Um, Bellevue West had a really good team last year. They've got like four or five guys that are going D one, uh, Power Five D one as well. Uh, now that Keegan, uh, Ke- including Keegan Johnson, now obviously at Iowa, and then Riley and Helms will also be D one at one point. So, yeah. Um, so. Uh... Going um back and looking when Keegan Johnson committed, I remember being in a Hawkeye group chat. I mean, that was just a good day when you just saw Keegan yeah, Murray. I mean, not Keegan Murray. What am I saying? Keegan Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh man, when I remember Keegan Johnson, it was such a big win because his dad played on the really good Husker teams, Nebraska teams back in the nineties. Um, when they were winning all those titles and stuff. And Nebraska fans thought they had Johnson wrapped up. And, you know, it was just a great win to see him flip to Iowa. Yeah, so uh, that was definitely really funny when those Nebraska fans thought they had uh, Keegan Johnson. And it was just funny to see their reaction. So, So the other two guys... So, where are they from? His teammates, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, anytime you can have a guy um, as a teammate of another, that's always a plus. Are you here? Hello.
Hello? Sounds like we had some technical difficulties there. <laughs> yeah, it's not the first time it's happened. So, going back to episode two. Yep. <laughs> um, so, I guess we were talking there about the teammates having a teammate, a former teammate of the high school guys that can only help. Uh, yeah, like I was saying, you know, anytime you can have a guy uh, as a teammate of another commit to the University of Iowa, you know, it's always a plus. So you can definitely look to see those guys maybe even come in here. But there's only so much a teammate can do. It's their decision. So, but it's definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, um... You know, I think the best one we have a shot with on that uh, between the two of Riley and Helms, um, both are really good players. Uh, Helms kind of reminds me of Noah Fant, and Riley reminds me kind of a Kittle Hawkinson type player. And uh, I think the best one we have a shot with is Riley because uh, Helms kind of seems it kind of seems like he's on the track to be an Oklahoma Sooner which sucks to lose a guy like him. But there's still a little ways to go with his recruitment, and hopefully we can close out with him. But Riley, um, he, grew, he, was, he grew up here in Des Moines, so he's from the state. Uh, Iowa was his dream offer, according to him. And it looks like with him, it's between Wisconsin, Tennessee, Iowa, Iowa State, and Auburn. Which that's a tough that's a tough list for us to beat out. Um, those are four pretty good programs, but I feel like uh, our consistency with getting tight ends into the NFL was going to just help us here. And I think we will pull Riley. That is my prediction. We will pull Mike Riley. Yeah. Um, when you have a tight end looking to go to Iowa, it's definitely one of the a very big opportunity for them, especially like you just said, our tight ends in the NFL. So um, one of the things I'm really surprised of is that we don't get better tight end recruits, even looking at our success with tight ends in the NFL. I mean, it seems like every year we're getting these littler tight ends and we're just improving them, which is great to see, but I'm surprised we, we don't get bigger tight ends. I mean, even Thomas Fidon, uh, Council Bluffs area. No, I was surprised we didn't get him, but you know, definitely growing up a Nebraska yeah. fan, definitely see why he's going there. But you know, Nebraska not having that big of success with uh, tight ends in the NFL, so kind of surprised with that. Kind of not, but yeah, I mean, I think Fedon is going to end up regretting that choice because. I mean, I understand wanting to go to the wanting to go to a, your dream school, the the team you grew up a fan of. Like I know you and I, like, but you and I, if we had the chance to go D one, um, and it was between Iowa or, uh, like Michigan or Michigan State, who would you pick? Yeah, it like it really depends on the position, you know. Like if I'm a tight end, you know, looking at. There's a whole lot of factors that go into it, but, you know, being 15 and from Iowa, I've always told my dad, like, if I, I – I always talk to him about this. I'm like, if I were to ever become a big-time prospect, I'm staying with my Hawkeyes. But, you know, 
sometimes you, you say that and you have a big time offer. Let's say Alabama were to offer you or something, you know, you got these big time offers, but you can definitely see Fidone staying with his dream school. And you kind of like to see guys doing that, even if you're a Hawkeye fan, you wanted him to come here. But like you said, it's definitely going to end up, he's, he's definitely going to end up regretting that decision. I feel like, but it would be, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a decent career there and maybe get, maybe Nebraska gets a tight end in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so kind of moving forward here from the tight end spot, um, Iowa is also listed as warm for Christian Stokes. He's a six foot, 180 pound defensive back out of Harper Woods, Michigan. Um, you got to watch his tape to really understand what he can bring to the table, but he's that typical Phil Parker, Iowa defensive back, tough and gritty, plays in coverage really well, and is a superb tackler. Um, this is a guy that we need, and we need to bring in badly, in my opinion. Yeah, he definitely has some good offers, you know, Iowa, West Virginia, and then you know, you got Michigan State, Minnesota, Penn State, you know, some pretty good power five teams there. So anytime you see those good of offers, you definitely can tell the kid's pretty good. So yep, you definitely and- want to see him coming in here. And like you said, definitely a good guy that Phil Parker would like. Yeah. Um, And it seems like it's between us and West Virginia as of right now. So – and I like our chances of that. I think West Virginia – has a pretty good team. Uh, they had a really good defensive team last year, uh, one of the better defensive units in the country, especially their back seven. But I just really like what Iowa has. Um, I'm sure he's. we've locked him in for an official visit June 25th. Um, West Virginia has yet to do that. And, um, you know, our history of putting defensive backs in the NFL, I would hope would play a factor with getting him here. And I like our chances with him. I think he's going to be a Hawk. He's looks like a great recruit and my personal uh, favorite right now. That's not committed besides the tight ends, obviously. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, as you can see on 24 seven, it says he's warm with Iowa and warm with West Virginia. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out, but I can definitely see him becoming a hot guy pretty pretty soon here. Yep. Um, the other one here, Caden uh, Crawford. Um, we hinted at a recruit coming on the show tomorrow, um, and I'll, I'll say it out loud now. Caden uh, Crawford is going to join us for an interview tomorrow. Um, Six-foot-five, 240-pound defensive end committed to Iowa. Of about a month and a half ago, maybe longer. It's probably actually longer than that. But he's a really impressive recruit. He's got some really good offers. Uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Nebraska, Minnesota, some decent offers there. Um, looks like a tough kid. He's athletic. He's fast. Um, what he, He's the typical Iowa defensive end that we want. Yeah, I'm really excited to get to talk to him, ask him a few questions. So, you know, keep looking out for that. He seems like a great guy for Iowa. So we're pretty happy to get him to come on here and talk to him for a little bit. Uh, yep. 
And with him committing Crawford, um, I really like potentially what he could do to help us pull in Nick Herzig. Um, Nick Herzig is also out of Kansas. He's an offensive lineman with some good offers. Uh, Northwestern, Kansas, Kansas State, and Iowa. And we're listed as warm with him right now. He also has a Stanford offer and uh, Virginia and Vanderbilt offer as well. So some good offers. He's a pretty highly rated player, number three player in the state of Kansas. Um, I really like that pipeline they're trying to set up in this class. There's been some great players, not just uh, come to Iowa in the last few years, but in the last couple of years, but there's been great players come out of Kansas. Um, heck, Brees Hall is one of them. Uh, came out of Wichita just a couple of years ago. Yeah, and Brees Hall is one of the best running backs in the nation right now. So, um, you always like those Kansas recruits. So, yep. Um, I'm gonna go over some more here. There's just about five more guys that are that are have had some movement towards Iowa in the last couple of days. Um, I'm gonna struggle to pronounce this dude's name. Uh, it's Ian Pug or Poo. I don't know how to say it correctly. He's currently committed to uh, Cincinnati. But recently, Iowa got listed as warm towards him, and so did Illinois. Um, he's out of Oak. He's out of Illinois. He's from Oak Park, and he's six foot four, hundred and seventy pounds. I mean, that's a big dude at the wide receiver spot. And I think having guys that are tall and got that length and can jump up and get it, like that's just perfect for what we want to do. Yeah. So um, he is from Illinois, you said? Oak Park, Illinois, yep. Okay, yep. So he is committed to Cincinnati, like you said. Yeah, I went, you know, seeing some movement towards Iowa, that is really good to see for us. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see if he maybe changes his mind. So, Yep, and I could definitely see it. When you start seeing movement like that, uh, generally that means – Unfortunately for Cincinnati fans, there's likely a decommitment coming in your future. Yeah, and it, it's tough to see, you know, committed on 24-7, but being warm to uh, another school. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. There's three more guys that have gotten some movement. Um, Chase Carter out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's a six foot six, 220-pound defensive end. A really explosive athlete. Um, he played basketball with Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren, actually. Yeah, he's from Minnehaha, and that's where those two play and played. So, uh, obviously, when you're playing with a basketball program like that, um, you know you're an athlete, but it sounds like he's going to pick football, and he's a really explosive athlete off the edge, really good first step. He's fast. Um, he looks like he could be that kind of rush end that Kelvin Bell likes to employ with his defensive ends where we rotate constantly in and out, in and out. And then on third down, you bring in the Raider package, which would have the two really good rush ends and you'd put two defensive ends on the inside. And I think that's going to work really well. And I really hope to see him come to Iowa. Um, obviously Iowa state and Michigan state are listed as warm. So he's got some good offers, but, I really like what he could potentially bring to us. 
Yeah, most definitely. So, what are the other guys you got? Um, the last two guys, Alec Ao Manor and Chris Petrucci. Uh, Alec Ao Manor is actually from Canada. Um, he's from the same high school. He went to the same high school as Tavon Smith, who some of you guys here, the listeners, don't know. Uh, Tavon Smith played football at Iowa back in uh, about, I think he played 20, 2012 to 2015. Um, he was a key part of that undefeated team a few years ago. And it sounds like uh, he's kind of been a mentor to A.O. Manor. Um, and that's obviously helps when you've got a form, when you've got an alumni of your programs pushing in towards us. Um, Ao Manor, the really the the thing to note the thing to note with him as well, like uh, Ei and Pug above. I feel like I'm pronouncing that soaked just terribly up there, but <laughs> I just have a bad feeling I am. But uh, he's also a really big guy, six foot three, two oh five. So. I like that they're trying to target some size on that wide receiver position. And I think that he could be a great addition for us. Um, I really like what he can bring, you know, just, he just seems like a great fit for us. Yeah. So uh, definitely having a guy like Tavon mentoring him, definitely a big thing. And you like to see that come from the Iowa program, you know, just seeing some alumni, you kind of still helping out, so that's great. I mean, I still remember seeing him in the 2015 Big Ten Championship, 85-yard touchdown by C.J. Beathard to him, and crowd going yeah. nuts. Just great memories. Yeah, that was still one of the greatest sports calls I've ever heard. Yeah, when, Gus uh, Johnson. Gus oh, Johnson went just nuts, dude. That was – that that call still gives me chills listening to that. I know. I still listen to it. It's just unbelievable. I love Gus Johnson after that. Yeah. Um, and then the final one we're gonna go over here, uh, Chris Petrucci. Um, he's a six foot five, two hundred and ten tight end. He's out of Park Ridge, Illinois. Iowa's offered him and we're the only school listed as warm with him. Yeah, probably, I was about to say that. Which you like to see. We were his first high major offer. Um, and, it, and since then, Illinois, Kentucky, and Minnesota have also offered. Um, and maybe even a Wisconsin offer coming soon. He's cool to Wisconsin, but does not have an offer yet. Yep. Um, you know, he's kind of that underrated tight end that we've been known to develop really well. Um, when you think of a low three-star tight end and seeing that Iowa offer um, – you could potentially see a guy like that playing in the NFL one day. I mean, I remember when George Kittle came in, he was like about the same height, six foot four, 200 pounds, I think is what Kittle's measurables were. So, yeah, that's funny that you say that. I remember I always see this occurring picture of Kittle. He's looking so skinny and he looks so confusing. It's, it's crazy how a player can just develop like he did. It's mm-hmm. just so great to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited. One of the things I've always loved growing up, and I've talked about this in recent episodes, you know, it's just I've loved watching some of the guys improve from the Iowa football program and going on to be greats in the NFL. It's one of the the best memories I've had, just watching some of these guys that are under the radar, and then they go to be good. And a lot of people, like, I'm glad that I'm 
I'm there to watch them, you know, kind of grow up and be good. Yeah. Um, I I like what uh, Petrucci could potentially bring. Um, obviously, that's got to develop a little bit more. Um, if that Wisconsin offer comes in, that could potentially uh, play a role in his commitment. But, yeah, he seems like a good player. He seems like he could uh, – it sounds like he will probably be a take if uh, – I think we're probably going to have to take two to three tight ends in this class, actually, because we didn't sign a single one in 2021. So get a guy like Riley and him. Uh, Riley, who's kind of a big blocker, who can also who can also get who can be like your third down safety blanket. And then Petrucci, who kind of seems like a guy that can be kind of a threat that Noah Fant was on every play, where he can be set up in the slot or he can come off uh, he can come off the line and stuff like that. Yeah, like I always, I'm always saying this, but you know, you got to see a lot of potential in some of these guys. You know, seeing some of their offers and you know, a lot of height there. So I can definitely see you comparing them to a lot of different guys that we've had in the past. Yep. Um. So I think that's kind of about wrapped up what we wanted to discuss today. Um. Obviously, we weren't looking to do too much today because we're going to hopefully have a pretty big one tomorrow with Crawford coming on but yeah anything else you want to add today uh yeah i just want to apologize you know a little bit of some uh technical difficulties dogs barking in the background so uh you know sorry that this episode was uh, a little bit sloppy but you know it's a it's a tuesday afternoon just getting back from school so um sometimes it might be a little sloppy but we're gonna we're gonna make that for it tomorrow We'll have yeah. a big episode. Yeah, and we're going to work hard to make sure nothing bad happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not sitting next to my dog next time. So. <laughs> All right. Well, it was good talking with you today, man. All right, yeah, good talking to you, man. All right. Um, guess we're going to sign off for now. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow. Um, hopefully having a pretty good episode, and hopefully it'll be an interesting one, getting to talk with a recruit like Crawford. Yep, we'll be in touch. All right, see you. See ya.